Today, this afternoon, our topic or what I would, uh, the message that the Lord gave me and put in my heart is on eyes that see. Eyes that see. Why do, why eyes that see? It is because it is possible to have eyes and you do not see. Have you ever seen someone with eyes and they cannot see? Someone has? Oh, you are using a second set. <laughs> it's possible to have eyes and you're struggling to see. It's also possible to have eyes and you cannot see, let alone see clearly. You could have eyes, but you cannot see. Many of the blind men we see, even when we walk along our streets, do they have eyes? They have eh? only a few that may not have. Most of them have eyes, but they are blind because they do not see. Cindy, I want us to look at a very interesting story from the book of Mark chapter. What chapter is this? Chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Are we able to have it all? Okay, sour. We will read it. How many carried their Bible? Yeah. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, even the even the the phone one. Do you have your Bible? If you don't have a Bible and you don't have a Bible even on the phone, please share with your neighbor. Eh? But you have a Bible on your hands. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are we all there? Mark chapter 8. I will read from verse 22 to 25. Mark chapter 8 from verse 22 to 25. And he comes to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him. I'm reading from King James Version. And he, come, he cometh to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw, if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hands up again, his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored. And so every man clearly. Father, we thank you for your word. This evening we receive your word. This evening we receive the Holy Spirit. This evening to come and teach us and guide us in your word. We pray for revelation. We pray for understanding. We pray that our eyes may open, that we may be able to see beyond what is written here, O oh God. We pray, open our ears that we may be able to hear beyond what I am speaking. I pray that Jesus, you will be a rock for us and you cleft for us, Lord, that we hide in you, that we understand exactly what is in your heart, my Father, for our lives, O oh God, for our future, uh, for our families, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, minister to us this evening. This is your meeting. This is you, O oh God, speaking. We pray that in the name of Jesus, you will go beyond where words cannot reach. You will go beyond where understanding cannot uh, fathom. I pray that in the name of Jesus, our hearts will be able to know you better. We'll be able to know you more than ever before. This evening, come and have your way, oh God. I surrender to you, Lord. I pray that Jesus, you may use me as a vessel, oh God, to 
to convey your message, to convey your word, our Father, for the glory and honor of your name. Be exalted and be magnified, Lord. Let your word come with healing. Let your word come with deliverance. Let your word come with restoration. Let your word come, O God, with healing. Let your word come with salvation in the name of Jesus, that our lives will indeed be changed, our Father, that indeed we will say we were from a miracle service, and this is the miracle we left that place with. We thank you, and we honor you tonight in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Now this man, this blind man, as we have read from, as we've read from the story was brought to Jesus by his friends. It is good to have good friends, friends who understand your problem. Friends who know when you are going through issues, friends who know when there is a solution, friends who, when they hear of a job being advertised and they know you're looking for a job, they will call you. They will tell that person that is hiring, I have a friend that, in, that needs this job. I have a friend. I can watch that this friend will do an incredible job. It is good to have friends who understand when you are suffering, who understand when you need help, who understand when you are going through pain, and they can do whatever they can so that they see you being lifted, so that they see you being blessed, so that they see miracles happening for you in your life. And this man, as we have been told by the Bible, he had his friends. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they brought him to Jesus. These are the kinds of friends that we should be having, friends who feel with us. And undoubtedly, they heard that this Jesus is the man that performs miracles. They must have heard about him. They must have witnessed him performing miracles. They must have seen him or even probably heard him when he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he made the leper clean, when he made that crippled man be able to walk again, these friends, they knew that Jesus is a miracle worker, is the one who was bearing a miracle for their friend. And so they decided to bring this man. When he heard that Jesus is walking through, they decided to bring this man to him. And they presented him to him. Now, as we have read from verse 22, he comes from Bethsaida. Maybe a little history. Bethsaida is a city that was in a, I would say, it represents doubt and unbelief. And this you'll find from the book of, from the book of uh, Mark chapter, we were reading Mark chapter 8. From the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 21. Jesus himself, when he was passing through, at some point uh, spoke and said, Woe unto you, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethesda, or Bethsaida, because of their unbelief. Jesus had a very strong rebuke for this city of Bethsaida. Bethsaida represents doubt, and it also represents unbelief. And this man, as we see clearly, was removed, was from Bethsaida. But Jesus, in the Bible, says that, verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand. When he was, this man was brought to him, he took him and he led him out of the city. They walked out of the city. What does that signify? And I was getting excited this afternoon when I was reading this scripture. Because this signified that Jesus wanted to get this man out of his surrounding. What, what type of environment? An environment of doubt, an environment of unbelief, an environment of negativity. An environment of people who pull you down. An environment of, 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 of bad things. 
And Jesus decided if this man is going to receive, he knew if this man is going to receive his miracle, not that Jesus would not heal him in Bethsaida, but he knew healing him in Bethsaida was, not, was, was, was something that it would happen, but the guy might go back to that kind of a life again. And he needed to physically or prophetically remove him from an environment of doubt, an environment, an environment of unbelief, an environment of uncertainty, and take him to a place where there was nothing surrounding him that was negative. There was nothing surrounding him that was, would speak contrary to what God is saying. There was nothing surrounding him that would speak negative or against God's word or God's commands. And Jesus decided to take this man. Doubt and unbelief today, doubt and unbelief are the greatest hindrances to our miracles. They are our greatest hindrances to in our journey with the Lord. They are our greatest obstacles in our race in the Lord. If there is going to be any obstacle obstructing us or with the intention to stumble us and make us fall or sway us from the path that God has destined for us, it is doubt, it's either doubt or unbelief or both of them. These are the greatest enemies in your walk with the Lord, in your walk towards your miracle. You have, these are two great enemies that you have to overcome if you're going to experience your miracle. Even this evening, if you're going to have to experience your miracle, if you came and your heart is set on receiving a miracle from the Lord, you must battle this thing. You must bring it down. You must bring doubt and unbelief down because this will know as long as they exist in your heart. As long as they are speaking to your ears, as long as they are speaking around you, you will not be able to see the purposes of God. And we are talking about eyes that see. You will still remain with eyes, but you cannot see. As long as doubt is in your heart, as long as unbelief remains your companion, you will not be able to progress. You will not be able to move further. You will not be able even to make a step ahead into what you are going to do or into the journey that the Lord has called you. will just be mark timing. What does doubt say? Doubt says, I wonder if this can happen. Doubt always says, I wonder if this can be. I wonder if this is possible. That is what doubt does. It is always questioning. It is always uncertain. There is always that if. There is always that word if. If we lead, if it's not when, it does not ask when, and it does not say and, it says if. So there is always that hesitation. You are not sure whether this will happen or it will not happen. And God, interestingly, is a God who is jealous. When He says, I am this, He wants you to believe that He is this. When He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God, your healer. He wants you to believe that he is God, your healer. He doesn't want you to ask you, to ask him if God, uh, uh, if this happens, if this healing comes. No, he is saying, I am your healer. It is going to happen. You are not supposed to question if. But the moment you start questioning and saying if, then you have started doubting God. And the Bible says in James chapter 1, can we look at it quickly? James chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. 
I wish we had projection today, but it is well. James chapter 1, because the one who doubts, because the one who doubts, when you pray, when you pray, you started by saying, when you ask, you must believe. You'd rather not ask if you're not going to believe. Why ask if you're going to believe? If you're not going to believe, why ask? When you ask and you're wavering and you're like, you are still doubting whether it's going to happen. The Bible says you are like a wave. Eh? You are being tossed up and about. You have no stability in your life. A doubting man, a doubting woman is an unstable man. He's an unstable woman. You have no stability. You, don't, you do not have a standing. You are neither hot nor cold. One minute you are believing, the other minute you are doubting. One minute you are like that seed that was cast into the soil and the thorns came up. Within a, one minute, the soil, the, the seed is growing, and the moment it starts coming out, the thorns spring out, and they start choking the, the seed. They start, they start choking the crop, the plant that is coming out. One minute you are believing, the other minute you are doubting. God says, if you are lukewarm, actually the Bible says in the book of Revelation, if you are neither hot nor cold, God will spew you out. He will vomit you out. That is how bad it is when you doubt. That is how bad it is when you do not believe what God has said about you. When you ask, he says, ask without wavering. Ask without doubting. Who do you think God is? When you are coming to tell him, God, I need this. Do you have faith that he can do it? Do you have faith that he can heal? Before you come and tell him, God, I need a job. Do you have faith? Can you first question your faith before you ask? Because that is what will give you a clear light, a clear direction on what prayer, what kind of prayer to make. Because if you are questioning the ability of God, if you are questioning the possibility that it is, it can happen, or it should happen, or it is possible, then you better keep quiet. You better even not disturb yourself. Because I will not say you are disturbing God. God is never disturbed by prayers. You are disturbing yourself. You are denying yourself the luxury of sleep. You are denying yourself the luxury of maybe using that mouth to speak other things or to speak to another person. You are denying yourself a luxury of being in fellowship with another person or watching TV. But when you know, when you know who you are talking to or who you are about to go and bring your case to, then you will have no doubt whatsoever. Why do we come and tell pastor, pastor, why does God not hear me? When I pray for this, many times God has not heard. I have fasted. I have prayed. Why does God not hear? Let me tell you, my brother, the problem is not with God. The problem is with me. The problem is with you. In the first place, what was your attitude? Did you first visualize God as God? Did you first see God as a God who is able to do it? Did you see God as high and mighty? Did you see him as a God who cannot be contended? Did you see him as God who is God and there is no one like him? Because then, if you did, you will have no that story. You will not be engaged in that narration, trying to 
talk and saying, oh, it did not happen. Oh, I pray it did not happen. No, you will have patience. Why? Because you know the God who promised, he is able to do it. Though it tarries, it will still happen. You will not come and say, I have prayed for 10 years. I have waited for six months. I have waited since I finished college. I have waited. It is not happening. You will not question God because you know in his time, he will make it beautiful. Why? Because you have believed him and you have taken him at his word. Jesus had to take this man out of that city of Bethsaida. He had to take him out of the city of doubt. Because if you are in an environment that is questioning God's ability, if you're in an, an environment that is questioning God's power, then you are in the wrong environment. It is not going to work for you. It will work for you today and tomorrow you will go back to square one. You will be like, uh, people even start asking you, what happened yesterday? We saw you get saved yesterday. Today, why are you behaving like this? You were so much on fire yesterday. Why are you like this today? Why? Because you did not come out of your environment. Coming out of, any, of your environment does not necessarily mean physically. There are at some point that you may be required to come out of that place physically. But in this context, we have first to come out of the environment spiritually. An environment of doubt is a bad environment. You will not grow. You will not receive your spiritual sight. You will not be able to see. You will still be as blind as, as you were before Jesus came. And you cannot put that blame on Jesus that he did not heal me. You cannot say that Jesus did not see me. He even maybe came and said and spoke a word of healing. But you could not receive it because you are in the wrong environment of doubt. And what does, what does unbelief mean? Unbelief, what does unbelief mean? It's a lack of faith. Yeah? It's not taking God at his word. It is actually speaking the opposite of what God is speaking. When God says, I can do it, unbelief says, God cannot do it. That is what unbelief is. It is contradicting God. Unbelief is contradicting the word of God. When God says, it is, unbelief says, it is not. When God says, I am, unbelief says, he is not. When God says, or the word of God says, that he can, he hears you, Unbelief says God is silent or God is not hearing or he's not listening to you. Do we want to remain in that environment of unbelief? It is a state of mind. Unbelief is a state of mind and it is not contagious. It is not spread. It is you. It is your mind. It is your attitude. Unbelief is from the heart. And you have to come out of that attitude if you want to see God working in your life. If you want to see God performing the miracle that you want him to. If you want to experience a life of walking with the Lord, living with the Lord daily, then you have to come out of unbelief, doubt and unbelief. Jesus took the man and out of the city. They must have walked a long distance, but he was like, I know, I know this is for your good. It, it, is, it is some miles, but it is for your good. The man was blind. He could not know where Jesus was taking him. But he was following blindly. But he knew that if this is the son of God. If this is the, the, the man, the miracle worker that my friends told me that he could perform miracle on my life. Then I will bear the heat of the day. I will walk on. I will not mind the sun. I will not mind the weather. I will follow him. 
Because I know beyond the city of Bethsaida, I am going to receive my sight. Beyond the city of unbelief, I am going to receive my sight. Beyond the city of doubt, I am going to receive my miracle. The things that have not been working in my life are going to start working again. The healing I've been expecting from the Lord, it is going to happen again in my life. The work, the, the intimacy, the work of intimacy that I've been, ex, uh, I've been praying for in my life, it is going to happen again. So I would rather... Bear, I would rather bear the heat of the day. I would rather bear the pain. I would rather walk on. I will not question how long the journey will take. I am willing to go beyond Bethsaida. I am willing to leave my friends. I am willing to leave my family. I am willing, I'm willing to leave the naysayers. I am willing to leave the gossipers. I am willing to leave all those negative people. Those who see me rising a bit and they bring me down. They see that I have been promoted and they want and they want to see my downfall. They go behind my back. When they see me with new shoes they start talking bad and saying those shoes, I maybe, maybe I sold myself to be able to get those shoes. You are coming out of negativity. You are coming out of the people that do not want good for you. And you are saying, Jesus, I want to hear you. I want to receive this miracle. I want to look only at you. Let me tell you why Jesus did this. That is what God was revealing to me this afternoon. The reason why Jesus had to take this man by the hand, because the Bible says he took him by the hand. So in other words, they were walking side by side. The reason he did that, it is because he wanted to get him out of distractors. People who distract you. They make you, they, they, they come, they are talking, they are saying things, and they make you start doubting God's word. They make you start doubting the promises of God. Like Satan, with Eve, did God say, did God say, you start asking yourself about that prophecy that was given to you last year, that it is the year of takeoff, and today we are in another year, and you are asking, or your friends are asking, you didn't you tell us that last year was your year of takeoff? Why are you still here? Did God surely say? And you start doubting. And you start doubting. You start doubting the promises of God. Did God say that within two years, you are going to be like this and this. Didn't God say, are you sure that, did God say that you will be healed of your sickness? Did God say that all things are possible? Are you sure? Then why are you suffering? Those are the naysayers. Those are the people who don't want good for you. Those are the people who only want you to remain in their status quo. They don't want to see you promoted. As you look for job, you find yourself, you're only surrounded by jobless people. We need to come out of that. You're looking for a job, but you're only surrounded by jobless people. Go and work and stay and fellowship with people who are working. Eh? Jifungie kwa nyumba omba. Enda utafute kazi. Na ukikosa, jioni tafuta wala watu wakona kazi. Kana wao. Hear their stories. Learn from them. Hear their testimonies they are giving. Hear, uh, I mean, even the, the experiences that they are having from their places of work. So that they, make you, they will make you smarter. They will make you become a better employee tomorrow when you get that job. But when you surround yourself with people who are of the same status with you, you are only with the people who are unlearned because you are unlearned. You will remain there. You will not, you will not be able to see beyond that environment. You must come out of it. Eyes that see. You have eyes, but you have not been seeing because you have been in the same environment. And the Lord would tell us this evening, come out from among them. Come out from among them. You're always with people who are speaking negative things about the president. 
How can your nation be blessed if all you say or all you hear around you is how, the how bad the president is? How will your nation be blessed? How will you even be able to pray? Do you, will you even pray for your nation? No. But as much as you pray for prosperity, oh God bless my job. Oh God bless, it will not happen because if the president is not blessed, if you do not pray for him, because leadership comes from him, anointing flows from the head downwards. If he does not prosper, you will not prosper. If he is not peaceful, you will not know peace. If he is not joyful, you will not know joy. And the Bible says clearly, pray for your leaders. It does not say pray for your spiritual leaders. It does not say pray for those who are godly. It does not say pray for those who are God seekers. It says pray for your leaders, no matter how wicked, no matter how bad, however good they are, pray for them. Come out of those people who are speaking negative things. In your organization, you are always surrounded by people who are talking bad about your managers and supervisors. Eh? The people who are just saying, oh, watu tu kujitajirisha, wanajitajirisha, sisi tukotu hapa, tukotu tunapewa tu, sijui penimbili. You are always there. You will, do you know you will never come out of penimbili? Mushahara ya penimbili. Because you are always talking about negative things. You are surrounded by people who don't see good with where they are. Appreciate where you are, but also come out of the people who are negative around. If you're going to see spiritually, if you're going to see as the Lord sees, if you're going to see and understand what God is saying, then you must come out of them. Come out of them. We need to let Jesus, Jesus take us by the hand and lead us to a place where we can receive from him. Jesus practiced this principle when he was about to raise even Jairus daughter. You remember when he was raising Jairus daughter and he was he walked into the city into that home and he found that the the, the, the daughter of Jairus had died and people were mourning and they were and they were crying and they were weeping and Jairus told Jesus believe only believe where is the damsel take me to him and Jesus walked was taken to the room but he said he does not. In fact, when Jesus, when they told him that Jesus, when they told Jesus that this girl had died, Jesus said, he is not dead. She is not dead. And what did they do? These people laughed. The fact that Jesus has said this daughter is not dead. They laughed at him. Isn't it? And they were like, the same people. What an immediate <laughs> transition. The same people who were one minute, they are laughing. They are crying. They are in sackcloth. They are mourning. They are crying. And then Jesus says, the damsel is not, is not dead. And then the same people, immediate trans, immediate trans, they just change immediately and they start laughing. Maybe those are the professional mourners. Eh? They were paid to mourn. Because if indeed they were mourning because of the sadness, I don't think they could have transisted immediately from morning crying. How does it even happen? And then the next minute you're laughing. In the midst of tears, one minute you're crying, the next minute you're laughing. Those are the people that Jesus looked at Jairus and said, only you, James, John, and Peter, are allowed to come with me into the next room. Jesus knew that if these people are going to be around when he's performing miracles, they are going to be a big, distract, a big distraction to him. And not to him, not to him as Jesus, because Jesus is the king of kings and he cannot be distracted. But they are going to make the faith of Jairus waver. They are going to make him start doubting the power of God. 
And you know, whatever Jesus did, he did it as a result of the faith. There are miracles that he did because he wanted God glorified. But most of the miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament, many times they were provoked by the faith in the recipient's heart. Isn't it? We see that when we see him saying, be it unto you according to your faith. Many times he would say that there is no one that has had, that has had such faith. I have not seen such great faith in Israel except the faith that has been I see in this woman, many times the miracles that Jesus performed, he did it because the people demanded it. The faith in their hearts, they stirred him up to perform the miracle. And today I can tell you, my sister, my brother, your faith can stir Jesus into action. It can make him, even when he had not planned to perform a miracle, to perform a miracle. The same story of Jairus' daughter. Jesus actually uh, was not, was not, was going, when he started his journey that day, he was starting his journey because Jairus had come and told him, come and heal my daughter. Initially, the daughter was sick, not dead. So Jesus was on the journey, on his journey to go and raise the girl, uh, I mean to heal the girl. And then, do you remember what happened in that story? In the middle of the journey, there was a woman with an issue of blood. And what happened is that this woman, as he was when he heard that Jesus was passing by, and the Bible records that he had spent, she had spent all her income, every resource that she had on, on doctors, on physicians, she had tried to look for help so that her situation, her healing can come, but it was not forthcoming. But when she heard that Jesus was passing by, she decided to come out of her house. And the Bible also says that she was an outcast. She had an issue of blood. She was not allowed to mix with the people. But her faith, the need that was in her heart, could not allow her to stay in the house. She decided to press around the throng, to press in the crowd, until she touched Jesus' clothes. And the Bible records that Jesus, when he realized that some virtue had power, had come off, he said, who touched me? And this woman in fear and so much shaking, she stood up and said, I am the one who touched. Because the disciples started arguing and saying, oh, Jesus, how can you ask who touched me where? And you can see all these people all around you. And Jesus said, no, someone touched me. And this woman in fear came and confessed and said, I came and touched you. Because, and now she narrated the story. Jesus healed this woman. Because of her faith. Your faith can stir Jesus into action, into healing you, even when he had not planned to heal you, even when he had not planned to touch you that day, even when he had not planned to perform a miracle on you that day. It can happen for you. And that's why me, many times I have a habit when pastor asks who has a need, I don't wait for to see a hand go up. I lift my hand. Sometimes pastor can say, there is someone here. Or I could be in a meeting and someone, and pastor says, there is someone here. And I see that this here, this and this and this is going to happen for you. I will be among the first people to lift up their hands. Because I believe if God was meant, if God was meaning that he's going to do that miracle to Anastasia, even me, in the process, as he hears, as he answers Anastasia, he can also answer me. If God was able, in the process of going to heal Jaira's daughter, he was able to heal this woman who had such a big problem. Because I believe her problem was bigger. Twelve years with the issue of blood, just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. And she had, she was hopeless. She was frustrated. And Jesus, on the way, healed her. I believe that Jesus can post. Just a little second, even for me, 
I believe he can do it for me. I believe he can do it for you. Even if this miracle service was not meant for you to receive your miracle, maybe it was meant for one person. I believe if you have faith, the faith you have in your heart can touch Jesus and he can do whatever he had planned to do next week. He can do it even today. Your faith is what will drive him to perform the miracle for him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus took his disciples and Jairus into this room, a separate room from the mourners because he needed to come out of those people who are negative, of people who we are speaking contrary to what God is saying, people who cannot take God at his word, people who look at the physical, physical elements and physical realities. They can only see here. They can only see as far as their eyes, physical eyes can take them. And Jesus wanted Jairus, uh, Jairus to see beyond that, to believe beyond what he can see. Even when he walked and found his daughter lying down sick, he told him, fear not, only believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? And that is what Jesus would ask us today. Do you believe? Do you believe that he can store your spiritual sight? Do you believe that he can give you sight? Do you believe that he can perform for you that miracle? Do you believe that he can heal your father? Do you believe that he can give you that job? Do you believe that he shrinks cancer? He shrinks growth? He shrinks tumors? Do you believe that Jesus can heal even the most incurable of diseases? Even the irreversible cancer, the the stage, that stage of cancer that they say is irreversible. Do you believe that Jesus can do it? Your faith can do it. Your faith can do it because Jesus has no problem performing it. Jesus has no problem doing it. But your faith can stir him to do it or not to do it. We need to let him lead us to that place that we can be with him. To that place that has no distractors. We cannot be, we cannot be satisfied where we are. If you are satisfied where you are, woe is you. Woe is you. I pity you. If I am satisfied where I am, I pity myself. Because God is calling us for greater things. He is calling us for greater things. There are greater things lying ahead of us. He can restore your sight. He can heal you. He can make you whole again. And then we continue with this story of Jesus and the blind man. Uh, Jesus touched this man. It's a very interesting story from verse 23, uh, verse 24. From verse 23, he says, he led him out of town and when he spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him and he asked him if he saw. And he looked up, the man looked up. He looked up and he said, I see, but I see men walking like trees. This man, the actual translation from the phrase he looked up, verse 24, he looked up, means that he recovered his sight. And he recovered his sight and saw men in a blur. Not very clearly. But then I wonder how he knew these were men. Because if he was, maybe he was not blind from the beginning. I don't know. The Bible does not record that. There was a story I know that another blind man, the Bible says he was blind from his, from his, from his birth. But this one, the Bible does not record. Maybe he had, at some point when he was growing up, he used to see then he's lost, he's lost his sight. That is me. I don't know. But he saw, he says he sees men walking as trees. He went from not seeing to seeing. One minute he's not seeing, the next minute he's seeing. And even though he saw things in a blur, he 
undoubtedly recovered his sight. Without any doubt, he recovered his sight. And there is no denying that that was a miracle. The fact that he could see, though not clearly, he had recovered his sight. I am, I am, I am, I am, I was trying to imagine and I, and I could see the visual overload maybe in his brain. How he, suddenly, and I think that's why he said he saw men walking like trees. Suddenly there is color, there is dimension, there is size, there is, uh, there, there, there is, there, yeah, there is color, there is size, there is dimension, things that he had not seen. So he cannot tell green from yellow, yellow or orange. He cannot tell colors. He cannot tell sizes. But he can see trees, people walking like trees. Not trees, but people walking like trees. So I can only imagine as he tried to process all these things. And Jesus, the Bible records again, Jesus laid his hands on him again. And verse 25 states that Jesus made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. We see the first time he looked up, verse 24. Verse 25, we see him looking up again. This means he's, he's, uh, the first verse, he was recovered of his sight. Verse 25, he was able, he was restored. He was first healed. Then the second time, he was fully restored. He was able to see clearly. In this verse, the words made him look up. They are more accurately translated as he caused him to recover full vision. And Jesus caused him to recover full vision. He was restored and he could see clearly. When Jesus laid his hands on him a second time, there was a laying hands the first time and there was a laying hands a second time. I don't know whether you are like me. There are times I pray and some miracle happens and I know it has happened and I know something has started happening. Maybe I have conceived there is something that has indeed started happening in my life and I need to see the process coming to accomplishment. I know there is a journey that I have started but I am not yet there. I don't know whether you have ever been in such a situation where you feel yes, there is something, indeed God said this, and I have started believing it, and I have started working it, and walking with him through it. But this is not the end. There is the end result that I want to see. Do not be satisfied by the first touching. Do not be satisfied by only seeing men walking like trees. There is more. You can be fully restored. You can see more. You can see clearly. Do not be satisfied by halfway healing. There is full restoration for you. Do not be satisfied by half miracles. There are full miracles for you. Do not be satisfied by half bread. There is a full loaf for you. Do not be satisfied by breadcrumbs falling on the, under the table. There is a full loaf. You can sit with the master at his table, you can feast with him. Do not be satisfied. Do not put yourself like the Phoenician woman who said even the dogs eat, you know, like even the dogs eat the breadcrumbs. Do not consider yourself a dog. You can see the master is calling you onto the table. You feast with him. There is complete healing for you. Healing does not have to come in stages. Healing does not have to take a whole year. Oh, for January I had ulcers. December I still have ulcers. You can see, you can still claim total healing for you, for yourself and say, I have received the healing of the Lord. Yes, the process began, but you can claim a full complete package because that is what God has promised that he will do for us. Do not settle for halfway miracle. That's what we are saying. Claim full restoration. Be able to see beyond physical. 
be able to see spiritual. Amen? This man started seeing physically. That is what I would describe it. When he started seeing men walking as trees, he was able to see physically. But when he was able to see, when Jesus touched him the second time, he was able to see fully. That is what I called spiritual sight. Eyes that see. You have eyes that see. It is possible to have eyes and not see. It is also possible to have eyes and see. Amen? It is one, eyes to ha- one, one thing to have eyes. It's another thing to have eyes that see. Oh, that Jesus may give us spiritual sight. Oh, that Jesus may open our eyes to see. The Bible records also in the book of, I think, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter, from verse, chapter 6. You read that story, especially from verse 16. Elisha, with one of his servants... One time they were surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha prayed when the enemy came knocking. And the servant, Elisha's servant was trembling with fear. Because when he opened the door, he saw the armies. And they were a big army. There were many soldiers. And they had come only for two men. Elisha and his servant. Or maybe probably for Elisha only. And for what cause? Elisha, because Elisha used to see whatever the king would say, Elisha used to go to know because he had spiritual eyes. This king would plan how they are going to defeat Israelites. And when he plans with his men, what would happen is that Elisha, back in Israel, the Lord would tell him, he would see and know what this man is planning with his men. And he would rush to the king of Israel and tell the Israelites king, these men have set themselves on this valley against us. And so one time the king was, 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 was very wroth. He was very angry. Who is this that God's telling the king of Israel about our secrets? Whenever we plan that we are going to set the battle on the fields, he goes and they find that the Israelites were ahead. They knew ahead and they were ahead of him. And they would ambush them. When he goes and plans the battle on the mountains or on the valleys, he would go and find the Israelites, Sayari Wakotayari, they are waiting for them. And his armies would be defeated. So one time he was very angry. And he was wondering, what is happening? Who is that that is against us? Because any moment we plan that tomorrow we are striking the Israelites down, we find them already set for us. And they are always overcoming us. And he decided, there is one man who revealed to him and he told him, there is one prophet in Israel called Elisha. And whatever you say, the Lord reveals it to him. And so this man decided, oh, now we are going to take down the enemy. Now we have known the enemy. The enemy is Elisha. And so they go and they set themselves against Elisha. And what happened is that when the, 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 uh, the, the servant of Elisha opened and he saw there was such a big army, he started trembling and shaking and he went back to Elisha and said, oh, my master, there are so many, they have surrounded us. And, and, and Elisha told his servant, wait a minute. And he prayed for him that his eyes would open. I pray that our eyes will open this evening. He prayed for him that his eyes will open and his eyes were opened. And what he saw surprised him because it seemed like they were surrounded. But when his eyes were opened, he saw that actually the people who were surrounding them are the armies of God. And they are bigger, they are mightier than the army of the other king that was coming against him. And that is why I say today, and the Lord will tell us today, let us look to him. 
Let us look to him. When you look with your physical eyes, the battles that are against you, you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be disappointed. But when you look to Jesus, he is going to reveal to you the armies that are with you. And you will be surprised. You will be amazed. The Bible says that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. It may not seem so to a man, to a naked eye. It may not seem so. It has to take you to activate that faith that you believe if God says he is there with you, if God says that he is in you and he is mightier in you, if God says he is mighty to save, then he is mighty to save, then that is what will happen. You will not be, you will not be cowed. You will not be shaken. You will not be brought down by your fear. You will have to rise up because you can see. You have eyes that see. I pray that we receive eyes that see this evening. I pray that our eyes open up. Why don't we rise up and start claiming that the Lord will open our eyes. Open, uh, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may see. That I may see beyond what others see. That I may see beyond my physical eyes. That I may see the purposes that you have for me. That I may see the promises that you have for me. Open your mouth and start claiming the promises of the Lord. That blindness can leave you Sometimes it is not only doubt and unbelief. There are times that even fear comes and attacks us and we cannot see beyond what is there. We cannot see beyond the physical. Father, I pray against the spirit of fear in the mighty name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of fear this evening. I rise against fear in the name of Jesus. Fear that comes to attack us that we cannot move forward. Fear that holds our feet that we cannot move forward. Fear that comes and, and cripples us that we cannot progress in the things of God. Fear that paralyzes us that we cannot move from our positions, oh God. I rise against it in the name of Jesus. I break the chains of fear this moment in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, our feet will be able to walk again. Our feet will be able to walk again. Walking in the purposes of God. Walking in the ways of the Lord. Walking in the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. This evening, I rise again as a spirit of doubt. I rise again as a spirit of doubt. I will believe what God says. I will not question his ability. I will not question his power. I will not question his word. I will trust in in you. I will trust in you, oh God. I will trust in your power. I will trust in your word. I will trust that what you say you are, then you are, oh God. I repent, Father, where I have doubted you, where I have doubted you many times, oh God, where I have looked inwardly at my own physical strength and failed, oh God, to look to you. I repent this evening and I ask that you forgive me, oh God. And from this moment, henceforth, I rise. I rise from doubt. I rise from doubt. I rise from doubt in the name of Jesus. I rise from negativity in the name of Jesus. I rise from negativity in the name of Jesus. I will believe your word without hesitation. I will have faith in you, O oh God. I rise from unbelief. I refuse unbelief in my life in the name of Jesus. I rebuke unbelief. Come on, brethren. You have the power and authority. Some of these things, you have to rise up in warfare against them. You can rise up and say no, no to fear, no to unbelief, no to doubt. You have power and authority. The devil has no shame when he is attacking you. Why should you fear him? The devil has no shame when he is coming on you. Why should you fear him? The Bible 
Bible says that you have power and authority. You have, you are in the right atmosphere. You are in the right environment. Take on your whole armor and rise against the forces of darkness. This spirit of unbelief, this spirit of doubt, I rise against you this evening in the name of Jesus. You incapacitating spirit, you have incapacitated the people of God for a long time. You have withstood against the people of God, against their purposes, against their vision, against their plans, the plans that God has for them. You have made them not reach their goals. You have stumbled them. You have stood in the way. But today, in the name of Jesus, we decree that your end has come. We tear you down in the mighty name of Jesus. We rise against you in the mighty name of Jesus. We pull your powers down in the name of Jesus. We pull every negative word down in the name of Jesus. We pull every negativity down in the name of Jesus. We shall believe what the word of the Lord says. We shall believe the report of the Lord. We shall believe the word of the Lord. We shall believe who God says that he is. We shall walk in his word. We shall walk in faith in the name of Jesus. Because fear, oh God, fear, oh God, will not take us anywhere. But Lord God, faith, faith is what pleases you. Faith is what pleases you. Father, that faith will rise in our hearts. Faith will rise in our hearts, oh God. Faith will rise in our hearts, my Father. In the name of Jesus, to contend against unbelief, to contend against doubt, that faith will rise in our hearts, to contend against negativity, that faith will rise in our hearts, to contend against these giants, that faith will rise in our hearts to contend against these giants. These seems, these giants that seem so mighty, that seem so big, oh God. That faith will rise in our hearts to see beyond the giants, to see beyond the mountains, to see beyond, oh God, what they are. And we will see you lifted. We will see you mightier. We will see you bigger. We will see you stronger because you are Jehovah. Because you are stronger. Because you are mightier, because you are able, because with you all things are possible. We refuse to give ourselves to fear. We refuse to bow to fear. We refuse to bow to unbelief. We refuse to bow to doubt. In the name of Jesus, Father, we take on our shoes. We put on the, 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 the shoes of the gospel of peace, my Father. Your very word, my Father, will be the one that will be leading us. A light unto our path, my God. In the name of Jesus, that your word will light our path. That your word will guide us, oh God. That your word will set us on the right course in the name of Jesus because only your word can contend against unbelief. Only your word can contend against unbelief. Father, let faith rise in our hearts, my Father, to take you at your word, to take you at your word, my Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.